You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And with me this week is the CEO of Sky Blue Fund Managers, and that's part of the JSE-listed Efficient Group, and it's Anu Smith. Anu, we haven't spoken for a little while. You've been very busy with corporate activity and traveling and gathering information. And... Do you know what? Since we last spoke, I mean, we have spoken since the COVID-19 coronavirus mm-hmm. story started to emerge, but I haven't really spoken since it became a real issue. Isn't it incredible how things have changed in the space of two to three months? I mean, literally everything, every strata of society, every person, poor, rich, whatever, unemployed, employed, everything's yeah. changed. It's just unbelievable. I mean, if, if you just look at the US um, before the lockdown, before their lockdown, um, they had full employment and now all of a sudden they've got huge unemployment and this is in a, in a matter of months. Um, and I think that that's probably the case for, for most uh, data points. If you can find the data points in South Africa, we've got, a, we've got a problem in terms of data. The data isn't coming out because um, Stats SA can't produce some of the data sets. So we haven't really seen the full scope of what's happened locally. Um, but I mean, some of the data points that's been coming out, you can clearly see that uh, you know, the economy is in, in dire straits. Um, I mean, the vehicle sales, for example, that came out, uh, trading activity that came out, and all of that is pointing towards a, a very, very ugly scenario in terms of GDP. Um, but you know, one, one needs to remember that it's not only South Africa. This is happening across the globe. Oh, yeah. this, this is a global thing. Um, and I, I think if you, if, if you want to make some or pull some analogies from, or not analogies, uh, whatever you call them, from 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 what we've heard is if you look at the the presidents or the people in in charge of of different countries, and you just take uh, old Boris and you take uh, Mr. Trump and you take Cyril, um, I mean the the speeches we've heard from them doesn't say much, um, and I think that that makes the point is that it's very hard to to manage something if you haven't got data, if you don't know what's going to happen. A month from now, like we've just said, what, what has happened in two months, nobody's expected. So how the hell do you know what's happening in a month from now? So, and I think that that's why their speeches, apart from um, their own inabilities, but that's why their speeches are so confusing is because I don't think they truly have the answers. Because they, they literally just don't know. Well, they don't um, know. That's um, the whole point. So they should keep their mouths shut and say yeah, they well, should. Exactly what Cyril Ramaphosa did the other night. I think it was last night. I can't remember now because things are happening so quickly. But he said yeah, we've, we've, we've made mistakes, which is something that um, Boris Johnson might do that President Trump would never do. He would never mi- admit mm, to any mm, weakness. Mm, uh, mm. But at least Cyril Ramaphosa didn't say much, but he did say we've made some mistakes, which I thought was quite refreshing. But on the other hand, yes. it doesn't change the situation. Yeah, and also we've, we've seen from uh, since that speech, uh, I mean, we've, we've seen now the opening of, of e-trade or e-commerce. Um, you can now buy anything apart from alcohol and, and, and cigarettes online. Mm-hmm. So I think they've, they've rectified or tried to rectify some of those mistakes already. Um, and, I've, I, yeah, you know, that, that, that's, that's probably also a good sign of leadership um, if, if you're willing to admit your mistakes, but also then try to rectify them afterwards or straight afterwards. Look, I, I think the big problem with South Africa is, and uh, I mean, if you can speak to anybody, is, is, is our inequality or our, our you know, the, the, 80% of the people live in a very different scenario or space than the other 20%. And um, the, what they try to do with the lockdown regulations is they try to do regulations that fits all. 
And um, in South Africa, you can't do that. Um, like the e-commerce, for example, I mean, uh, I think one of the reasons they didn't want to do this is because it, they, they said it would be discriminating against the guy who stays in an informal settlement. Yes. Um, so, so that's a good example. I think that's probably the best example of, of you know, this this society where you've got a big biggest portion of society living in a very different uh, scenario than, than the other part of the society. And now everybody's complaining, but how do you, uh, how do you set regulations that actually looks after everyone? And I think that's just impossible. Um, and, you know, if had they said that, okay, we open up e-commerce, then there would have been a problem as well because then the 80% would have said, but that's unfair. Now the guy in the suburb can buy, but we still can't buy because I don't have a fixed address. Where did they deliver to? You know, stuff like that. Um, but it also, I think it, it sends a clear message to, to the companies, the likes of Take A Lot and so forth, and Take A Lot being probably the biggest one, not probably the biggest one, um, that they would have to look at, at, at solutions for this problem. You know, do you have pickup points where people can get it delivered to a pickup point close to the informal settlement and collect it in a safe type of environment? Um, how do you solve the issue? Uh, you know, there's, there's always you can always look at the issue and, and, and not look further and say it's a problem. I don't know how to solve it. But I, I believe one should look at the, the problems and try and create some opportunity out of it. So hopefully the e-commerce companies are, are seeing this and um, they're probably already looking at, at pickup points and stuff like that mm. to cater for, for that part of society who doesn't have a fixed address. Um, and and who you, I mean you can't you can't expect Oak on a on a scooter to drive into the middle of Kailicha to make a delivery. The pickup points could be at Pick and Pay or at Spa or at Woolworths exactly. or everywhere exactly. because those companies will obviously benefit. So they are going to be. And I'm exactly. sure people behind the scenes are working on this. If you and I can think about it, then there's there's very clear they will be. That, are, that are doing mm-hmm. it. But we've got to look back at the week that has just gone by economically, macroeconomically, mm-hmm. and also from a corporate point of view. But also I'd like to just expand upon the big picture that we've just referred to. And I saw that... Twitter said yes, they came out with a statement yesterday, the CEO of Twitter said, if you want to stay at home and you want to work at home for the rest of your life, you can. Obviously, there's going to be conditions. It can't impinge upon or compromise the efficiency of the company. But if you want to stay at home, you can. I wonder how many people would do that. And you were also saying to me off air about Airbnb. Uh, so how, do, how do you as an investment professional start to reconcile your fact, yourself rather to the fact that things are never, ever going to be the same again? Yeah, look, I think it's a, it's always a, it's always a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a dangerous um, comment to make that it wouldn't be the same. That history rhymes, but it, and it repeats itself. But the factors around it differs quite a lot. And I think the scenario you've just pointed out in terms of where do you work from? I mean, if you think about it, just realistically um, and practically, uh, it, it truly, it, even before this, this, uh, the virus and the, the lockdowns and. It didn't really make sense why, if you've got something like the internet and you, your work is such that you can actually work from a laptop from a house, why should you go into an office and go and sit one hour in traffic to get to the office and one hour back to get home? Yes. It doesn't make any sense, you know? So I, I think a lot of stuff like that, um, this has just make, made those changes more prevalent and maybe a, bit, a little bit faster. Um, so I've spoken to two people just in the last two days who's, who's told me, um, both financial industry related, who's told me they don't think they're going back to the office because they don't see the, the purpose for going back to an office. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, e- even lower uh, the, the 
the cleaners and don't, don't say it's lower because it's also an important job. Every job is important. No, we know what um, you mean. But, 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 but you, you're going to struggle to get those people back um, purely just because they've been paid and they've been at home. Um, they should be at, at, the, at the site to actually fulfill their job. So they're not the, the type of jobs that you can do across internet or, you know, with a laptop. But how, how are you going to get them back? Because um, you have to convince these people that they have to go back to work. And with our stringent labor laws we've got in South Africa, you're going to struggle. Because as soon as you've got an outbreak or somebody's been infected, the unions is just going to say, look, sorry, we shut it down. You're back at home. We're fully paid. So yeah, this is, this is a, a, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation, but it's also from that point of view, a very scary situation because it might get to a point where companies just say, look, we'll have to lay you off. Sorry. Um, if, if, if you can't come in, then uh, we can't pay you because you're not fulfilling the service you're supposed to fulfill. Now, we, I, I don't think we're there yet in terms of a big picture, um, but on a smaller scale, we have seen some of it in, in local businesses, small businesses, and that should purely people can't afford the, the, the labor, you know, the employees. Um, yeah, so Look, things will be different. I think, um, like I said, like Airbnb, also they they focusing on more long term leases because they think people might be inclined to work from where they want to work yes. instead of uh, being uh, you know uh, linked to one city, just Cape Town. They might work one week in Cape Town, one week in Joburg, one week Cape Town, one week London. Even that's even an possibility. What does that mean? Just before you go on, now I understand what you're saying now, and I think it's a fascinating uh, a change because obviously Airbnb is suffering at the moment. Does, does that mean that mm-hmm. prices are going to go up or are they going to go down? Do people say, well, I want to stay here for? I mean, for example, I could take my portable studio. And I could go and work in Cape Town from where I am now, or I could go and work in Paris with my portable studio, and I want a three-month mm-hmm. lease. Uh, does that mean the price goes up or goes down for my Airbnb? Um, I would imagine down, and that, therefore that's deflationary. Yeah, yeah look, at, I mean, apart from, from illegal cigarettes and, and alcohol, I don't think there's, there's any other prices going up, to be honest, at this stage. And I mean, we, we've discussed this when I, like, when I spoke to you last time. Um, mm. I'm in the camp uh, thinking that we, look, we, we had overcapacity globally as we went into this lockdown scenario. That overcapacity is now, uh, it's in the spotlight now, and it's slowly being cut. Uh, well, not even slowly, it's fast being cut. Um, so, you know, I, I'm in the camp of very low inflation, if not deflation, for a very long time. Um, just because of the overcapacity we've got. So that, that talks to your question of in terms of um, Airbnb. Airbnb, there's probably over, uh, oversupply. Um, so the prices would have to come down um, to make it attractive again. So, and, and I think that that's not the only industry or the only company where, where, you, where you will see it. There's lots of it. Um, so I do think we're going to have lower prices for longer, which then feeds into lower inflation for longer, and, uh, you know, which makes it easier for central banks to to maneuver themselves in this uh, scenario. Um, yeah, and I mean, uh, uh, again, going, coming back to South Africa, I think the, the latest scheme coming out of the Reserve Bank, the guaranteed loans to businesses, that is a phenomenal um, thing that they've put together. I mean, we haven't really seen anything like this in, in any other country. So this is fairly different to what we've seen in some of the other countries, even the big players. Um, you know, and then I think I've, I think they've got it right because the funding they can get is, is cheap, and the funding they're giving out to businesses is very cheap. Um, so if businesses use those loans for for to grow their business and not only to save the business, 
then I think we're on the right path in terms of, of going forward, you know, looking six months, one year, two year out. Um, it's obviously the biggest question now is, and you've probably seen it a hundred of times, thousands of times, is, is it a V, is it a L, is it a U shape? Mm. I mean, that, that's the most prevalent thing. And it, honestly, <laughs> anybody that gives you an opinion on that, I feel, yeah, they should go back to the textbooks and maybe read it again because I don't think how you make, I, okay, I can't well, see well, how then, you can predict whether it's a V or an L or a U. Well, then I'm going to go to back honest. to my textbooks because I'm going to do that. It's not going to be a V, it's not going to be an L, it's not going to be a W, it's not going to be a U, it's going to be a dagger to the downside. Uh, because yeah, I think, that's, I think that's, the last two or three days, the last two or three days, we got a sign of what was going on. We had two days down 2% and then 2% and then yesterday it was down 2%. When I talk about it, I talk about the US stock market. It was down nearly 2% and then it rallied. And technically mm. that was a very good short-term signal. But I think mm-hmm. that we're now going down with, with a dagger. Um, and yep. I don't know how that's to describe it, but um, yeah, so, I, I so, don't think we—I don't think we quite understand the enormity of the situation. Exactly, and and I think if, if there's one thing I, I, I would I would want listeners or people who listen to your podcast to to take away from this is to focus on overcapacity, because I think that's the biggest issue we've got globally, not only locally, globally. Mm. Um, and 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 if you can find companies that is actually doesn't have that overcapacity. I'm thinking of Vodacom, for example, which the results was, wasn't that bad. Um, stuff like uh, IT, some of the tech stocks in the U.S. has actually put out some phenomenal results. Mm. Um, online gaming companies in China, exactly the same thing. Um, so you need to sift through. And, and when you look at companies and you want to invest, even in bonds, it doesn't matter which asset class, you need to have this uh, almost a sift of, of overcapacity. Where's overcapacity? So... You probably don't want something um, where the guy has to, uh, where, where there's a there's a uh, over um, t- too many people in the company being employed. Let's put it that way, um, because that that I don't think that that's going to last much longer. They, you know, if 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 it, if it's a guy who's just putting in one bolt and the guy next to him puts another thing on, and that type of thing is gone. If you ask me, um, you you would have to look at companies that's already mechanized, yes. um, which is very low on labor, which is not a good thing for unemployment, obviously. But that just means we need to create different type of labor skills. And um, again, like last time we spoke, I said that 1890, 80, period where there was a revolution of, in terms of, of train, uh, the um, transport um, railways. Yes. Uh, that was one of the things. Um, and, you know, exactly the same is happening here. So you would have to change the way you you look for a job and and the way you apply yourself to the job to make you yourself relevant there's no way of, of there's no use complaining about oh i can't get a job and you know the factory is cutting down that's that's giving you a sign that you maybe you shouldn't be a factory worker there's not they, they don't need many factory workers you need to be something different um, well, let's so talk about that. I picked up something there when you when you talked about travel. Now I'm going to come up with a personal. I think what we have to do as journalists and as investors, and you're the investor, I'm the journalist, is take personal personal knowledge and apply it to what's going to happen to the market and also to the the, the way that human beings behave in the future. Now, I, while you're thinking about how your life has changed, apart from working from home with the kids, etc., uh, mine is, I used to travel. I mean, I live in, in the center of Europe, 
and I could get on the train and go to Paris and it takes two and a quarter hours and I could go there for a day and a half or something and it's relatively cheap but now I can't do that because everything's closed mm-hmm. down so therefore the train system doesn't have any income you can't get on an aeroplane and I don't think that I want to get on an aeroplane for a while Oh, no. I don't think I want to do that. So I'm going to jump in my car. As soon as the borders are open, I think I'll hire a car. I don't own a car, but I will hire a car and I will drive there. And I'm hearing a lot of other people saying the same thing. Because that is they're, exactly how I think. They're enclosed in a car without other people. <clears throat> they may be with their partner. They may be on their own and they drive somewhere. And that's how it works. In a train, okay, you there's a certain amount of social distancing that can be observed. But on an aeroplane, no. And when you go to the airport these days, if if it opens up again or if airports open up again, you're going to have to be there two to three hours beforehand uh, because of mm. the queues and because of the distancing that I've just spoken of. So I don't know that airports and airlines are ever going to get back, or not certainly not in the next two to three years. So that's my personal experience, and that's what tells me what's going on. What has happened to you apart from working from home? Anything that you can think yeah, of? So, so um, I mean, it's, it's very similar to what you just said. Um, so we were looking at uh, uh, planning a trip to to do a run next year somewhere, and we were looking at the Great Wall um, Marathon. But now the problem is, do you book it? Because you're not sure you can get there in the first place. And you know, the same with London Marathon is in October. Um, you can get some entries for that. Um, again, you probably don't want to book something now because you, you're not too sure whether you would be able to to travel in the first place. So I think what what might happen is people might travel <clears throat> travel or, or do things more locally. So you know, I'll, I'll get in the car with the kids and drive out to Robertson or you know, it was a, it was a smaller town. Um, but I'm not going to fly with them to Durban for the weekend, which is not something I have done in the past. But I'm just <laughs> as an example. Um, so, so I think I think you're right there. I think you're quite correct. It, it would be in, at least for the next year, um, local travel and local tourism is probably going to be much better place um, than flying to London or, or even cross, crossing um, provinces. You know, so. Tough stuff like that's definitely going to change. And then I do think, you know, you've just mentioned that you don't have a car. Um, and there's lots of people in big cities that's on this, I don't have a car. And that might be the thing which also takes off is this uh, car sharing apps that we've seen. And they haven't really attracted a lot of attention and a lot of, you know, uh, customers. They're not nearly as big as an Airbnb or any of those um, companies. But I do think in the future we might see them growing substantially, you know. So it's not to say that the the demand for 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 cars would be greatly increased. Um, it, it's more a case of that um, like car sharing might actually increase, you know. So you might have instead of an Airbnb, you might have an air car and car or something. I don't know what they're going to call it. There's actually a couple of apps already out there. Um, yeah, so. Stuff like that would definitely change. But like I say, I think to start off with, local travel is definitely much better place than, than um, foreign travel or, or provincial cross-provincial borders. And one can probably take it a bit further, Lindsay, if you want to. Um, yes, you know, a, a, a lot of guys um, were working in, in Joburg, for example, and they moved the family down to, to George or, or even Somerset West, Stellenbosch, and then travel weekly up and down. That's obviously gone now. Yeah. So you would have to employ somebody to do uh, Joburg area for you if you need to see clients. Um, 
because obviously somebody needs to look after those clients, um, but it can't be you. So, you know, there might be an opportunity that it's more local focused um, sales teams than, than the country focused sales teams, if you want to call it that. Um, because, I, I, yeah, like you said, I, I don't know when we're going to get back to flying. Um, I mean, we, we're not even allowed to drive over a border, let alone flying. <laughs> so flying is still way off. Um, and, and if you're going to fly, who's going to fly first? Uh, you, know, you would have to ask, And who's going to fly on a plane that hasn't been maintained for three months? I mean, who's going to get onto an airplane well. where these airlines haven't been able to spend any money on marketing and advertising because they're getting no revenue. So these planes have been sitting around. Have they got the money to maintain them? I, I have all these worries. I mean, it's maybe because I'm not as gung-ho as I used to be when I was younger. But as I get older, I start to get a little bit risk-averse when it comes to in- <laughs> investing, when it comes to getting on a plane. I don't want to spend three hours at an airport. I don't want to get on an airplane that I don't trust, whether it be a Boeing or an Airbus or something, and suddenly they open up again. I don't want to get off at the other end where people are taking my temperature it's just a bore i'd rather get in the car and, and spend a couple of days driving through oh, the countryside and going somewhere and having and making a bit of a road trip of it how do you as an investor assimilate all these things that we've been talking about into your future portfolio management yeah look uh, i mean if, if you look at warren buffett um what he's lost in airlines uh, clearly he got it wrong completely um so, and I think that that was based on a V-shaped recovery, if you want to go back to the VL and you, whatever argument, um, for what it's worth. So, yeah, look at airlines, we've already seen a couple that's going under. Um, so, the ones that survive would probably be the biggest ones, um, who can look after the planes, hopefully. Um, so, again, you know, if, if I look at anything, I've, I've, it's got to be from this overcapacity background or, you know, you have to... If, if you want to invest in companies and bonds, any asset class, you would have to look at this overcapacity. Use the guy, even if you buy credit. I mean, a credit is linked to the company. The guy who's part of this overcapacity problem, um, the airline, for example, that goes under, if you've invested in credit, you, you, you've lost just as much, if not more, than the guy who's sitting in the equity. So, you know, I, I would really look at, at um, industries where, they still produce stuff like healthcare, for example, food, for example. I mean, you can clearly see it in, in just in our, and this is, this is historic numbers I'm, I'm quoting now, but if you look at general retailers versus food retailers in South Africa and you look at earnings growth over the last 12 months, I think general retailers is, is running at minus 45%. And this doesn't include April numbers, not yet, because a lot of them haven't reported apart from pick and pay. Um, and pick and pay is more a food retailer. Food retailers, the, the um, earnings growth is still positive. We'll come so, to that in a moment. We'll come to that in a, in a moment. But anyway, so, so I, I think to, 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 to make the point, you know, I would rather, much rather than buy a, a food retailer, not based only on the earnings, but just in terms of overcapacity, because people still need to eat. Um, and the thing you might, you might also want to think of is what I've seen, and this is anecdotal, is that the guys around in, in, in the suburbia, if you want to call it that, um, they, they tend to support the, the smaller spar or the smaller OK store there we go. a lot better than they used to, you know. So mm. you probably want to be in a food retailer with smaller stores, which is closer to everyone, because the guy doesn't want to really 
drive down to the pick and pay in town. Now you've got to stand in a queue, yeah. you know, social distancing. It gets it's So the neighbourhood store is the one because it's around the corner, the old corner shop thing. Exactly. Instead exactly. of going to the hypermarket, I remember in the UK exactly. in the 1970s, hypermarkets were the thing where everyone would go and we're, yeah, we're going to shop for mm. a month and you'd get two trolleys and you'd shop for a month, which is really boring because the stuff is mm. frozen. It's, it's probably subpar apart from, compared to the... Yeah, the fresh stuff that you would get on a daily basis. Maybe we go back to the corner shop. Maybe that's a, yeah, so, a trend so that you I, look I, at. I think that's exactly what what would happen. Um, uh, you know, then it's also being in this. De- de- I don't want to call it deflationary because we haven't seen deflation yet. Um, but with this low inflation environment, uh, you know, the, the pricing doesn't really play that bigger effect. Um, so the guy would would forego that extra five rand that he's saving driving down to uh, Checkers Hyper, for example, and would rather support OK. Now, they, both of those belong to the same group. Um, but the OK stores, I just think, might do a lot better than the bigger stores. And it's also it's, mm. it's, it's the support they get, but the costs on those smaller stores is a lot less. I mean, the guy who's running a big store, he needs to screen all the staff that comes in. Uh, it's a big um, uh, space that's being rented. Uh, so your costs in, in those big stores is is a lot higher than the smaller stores. So, you know, I think a company like Spar, for example, is, is very well placed. Um, ShopRite also to a certain extent. Um, but, yeah, that's the type of thing I would look at, this, okay. that overcapacity play. And then also, like I said, anecdotal evidence, like you've just said. You know, I've spoken to how many people now that said, you know, maybe I don't need this big house. It's, it's maybe it's overkill. It's really not. Now that they, they have to clean the house themselves and do the garden themselves, and uh, you know, you just start thinking about life differently. Do of you course, really you do. All this, yeah. this, this objects and and. Um, Oh, no, it's one of the things that is one of the good things that's going to come out. This whole profligate society we've had, in other words, people are just saying, well, the market's going up and I've got all this money and I've got to buy this expensive car, uh, which I need to take to two kids 1.3 kilometers to school in this mm. car so I can show off and I've got swimming pools and everything. I think that's all over now. I think, yep. I, think it's, I think it's really all over. Let's have a look at it just in the last five minutes. I've got a few things I need you to enlighten me with. Number one is inflation. In South Africa, I think there will be deflation apart from the RAND factor. Take the RAND out, we're going to get deflation. In the United States, I think we're going to get inflation. We've seen the grocery prices uh, month on month go up 2.6%. That was announced two days ago. And then we look at um, two different retailers, uh, and I want your comments on both of those as well. Richemont, which came out with their numbers today, right at the top end, you'll pay 100,000 rand for a ridiculously overpriced watch, uh, but you go to pick and pay, and they have cancelled their dividends. So let's start with inflation. Where do we stand there? And you've got a minute on this one. Yeah, so look, inflation is a, it's interesting because I think the inflation currently, anything that can be driving inflation in this scenario is currencies. So you've now said take the rand out of it, but I think you can't do that because mm. if you do that, um, then, then you don't really know where inflation is going to go. Um, so you would have to make some kind of call on the rand. But I think what is true is that even with a very weak, and the rand is currently extremely weak, um, Four reasons, obviously. Yes. Um, but, you know, the market looks at different factors and it makes it weak. Um, so there's reasons for the rand being weak. But even with that very weak rand, we're not seeing inflation. There is no inflation in South Africa. No. Um, so in South Africa, I think we're going to have very low inflation, maybe dip in the negative. Um, and wow. and that, gives the, that gives the Reserve Bank scope for, for major 
uh, cuts. Now, they are trying to stimulate the economy through different stuff, um, different to do the normal interest rate, um, you know, cuts. And I think that's very clever because it, it keeps the bonds attractive. But I do think we're getting to a stage, if you just take our, our prime rate or our, our short-term rate versus the U.S. short-term rate, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. We have to cut rates aggressively. So, you know, we might even see a 2% cut if you ask me. Um, and and that, that still puts the real yields way above a lot of the other countries in the world. Okay, so, so South African inflation should, is not is not an issue. The currency. You've, sorry, no, you've used no, up no, your minutes. No, you've used up your minutes. No, no. <laughs> inflation sorry, okay. in South Africa is, is non-existent. Okay, so, 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 so let's move on to the U.S. So the U.S. is all dependent on what happens to the dollar. Uh, remember, we, we should always remember the U.S. is predominantly an importer of everything. Um, a lot of the stuff they produce themselves, but most of the stuff they have to import part, part of it. So okay. whatever the dollar does tells you what inflation is going to do in, in, in the U.S. And, you know, in, in my opinion, I, I just don't see how the dollar can stay much stronger for, for, for a lot longer. Um, I, I think we, we might have a, a weaker dollar, um, especially once we see that the Fed's reaction and what they've done, the stimulatory packages and all of this, hasn't really worked. And, I mean, if you look at the data sets, it hasn't worked. Um, you know, the confidence, in, the confidence in the dollar might take a knock, and, and that could be inflationary in, 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 in the U.S. But inflation from, from a consumer point of view they don't have the capacity, the same as South Africa. There's no demand pull inflation capacity. It has to be an, an outside factor like the currency. Okay, two retailers. Now, Richemont came out with their results this morning. Do you buy a, a ridiculously overpriced watch because you want to show it to your friends, but you can't show it to your friends because you can't meet your friends? Uh, so that's the Richemont story, and you've got the pick-and-pay story, and they cancelled their dividend because they said they want to maintain their cash reserves. What is that? Start with pick-and-pay, please. Yeah, so it, it was actually, it was fascinating looking at the results. And I mean, the fascinating part of the results is that it's maybe if, if, if you listen to this and you've got time, is, is go and look at the results and you go and look at the online sales and the growth in online sales. And it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's just taken off like a like a rocket. Yes. Um, but yes, um, you know, no, I've, I've obviously playing it safe and that's why they're cutting the dividend, um, which is a... I suppose it's the best way to go. Um, hopefully, they they use that money that they keep or the capital that they're keeping back to do some capex in terms of online sales. We've just spoken about it, maybe collection points and stuff like that. Um, then it could actually work out quite well for them in the going forward. Um, like I said, pick and pay is in the more food retailer side, and I think those guys are far safer than than the general retailer. Um, there's a general retailer, like you just touched on uh, briefly when you, when you spoke about Richmond. Um, you know, the, the, the guy is going to think twice before he buys the next PS4 or PS5. You know, that, I think the PS5 just launched, if I'm correct. But, you know, and, and, and in South Africa, for example, it, there's not a lot of people who probably would fork out another 8,000 Rand for the new PlayStation. Um, so those are the type of guys who might struggle who's in that type of, and we've seen it to a certain extent before the lockdown with Masmod. Uh, that's a very good example. Mm. Um, so, so it's, you know, that's the thing I want to emphasize. Nothing that has happened is really new. It's just this whole lockdown thing has made it happen a lot faster. Um, so we've seen the, 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 the cracks in, in, in Masmod, for example. And this lockdown just, I mean, they're gone, basically. Um, Epcon, exactly the same thing. So it even clothes, you know, people might think twice before they buy an extra jacket. 
um, you know, because do you really need it? Do you really need that extra jacket? No, are you saying? Not, you know? uh, are you saying that South Africa and the rest of the world, who just spend, 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 as soon as they get a little bit of money, they get their thirteenth check, uh, metaphorically speaking, they're just going to not spend anymore? They're actually going to save and sit at home and be responsible human beings? Surely not. I mean, we're we're we're, we're far too fragile and stupid for that, aren't we? I think we might see some of it. Um, look, I'm, I'm not saying we're going to say it, but we, in South Africa, for example, we, we just, the, the society is so different that um, it's impossible for the lower income earner to save, to be honest. Um, they're just trying to survive, and they're not surviving currently. Um, yes. I can tell you lots of stories about that. Um, people who, who sleep, you know, are going to bed hungry because they don't have food and they don't have money to buy food, um, selling their clothes to buy food and stuff like that. And that, that is real. I mean, it's happening. So that guy's not going to save. Um, but he might, he might not be, well, he's not, well, that type of guy is definitely not able to spend on the next jacket. Um, so he would much rather buy food and then whatever is left, buy something else, something, if you want to call it luxury. Um, but what that luxury might be, that might look very different because it might be luxury in terms of education for, for your kid um, or buying a laptop so that you can get online. Um, because you haven't been online before, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and then we get to Richman. But now you, you've got to you, – Richman is, is a different animal. Um, it, it plays in a very different market. So, and that's what makes Richman so, so difficult. It's, and it's just you need to have a mindset of the guy who's got oodles of money and who wants to show off, like you've just said. Yes, um, and so I think I don't think it's all doom and gloom for them, you know. That, that, yeah, no, so I agree down, with you. You can expect that, uh, but the guy who's got that much money, you can spend hundred thousand odd more than that on on a watch. Really, is this really going to affect him? I don't think so. He he probably that type of guy, if you ask me, is better off once we come out of this lockdown than he's been before. Um, you know, but there's lots of examples of, of that. Um, take Jeff Bezos now. That's probably not the, the the most. Well, that's not the best example. But take him as an example. Yes, he's, he's definitely better off uh, after this lockdown and COVID's you know virus um, has played out. Um, the wealth gap. What you're saying is that the wealth gap, uh, the wealth definitely. gap rather, has widened in the last two definitely. to three months. The rich are getting richer definitely. and the poor are getting poorer. It's definitely. very simple, isn't that's, it? In South Africa definitely. and globally, that's exactly what's happened. Which um, isn't great. So, so, so again, I say, you know, those trends we had before this, the cracks was already there. We we knew in South Africa we had a very diverse society with you know eighty seventy percent of society below the bread line and the rest is, is earning all the money. Um, and, and this is just laid it bare completely. And this is not so only a South African thing, it's across the globe, you know. So I don't know how you change it. I don't know when it gets to a point where, where the 80% says, no, the 20%, sorry, no, I want some of your money because um, I can't survive. And how, how do you deal with it? Is, is it the higher taxes? Um, because taxes already across the globe is actually fairly high. Um, I really don't have the answer for that. But clearly we can't go on in a society where the 20% just keeps on getting richer and, you know, the, the remaining portion of society sort of just muddles along, if not worse off after this um, virus. And I, I truly don't have the answer for that. How do you solve that? Um, yeah, <laughs> my answer is I don't have an answer. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, yeah, there's one story that uh, I looked at the other day, and I haven't gone into it uh, just as we close this conversation. Oppenheimer's step in with 100 million cash injection to keep horse racing alive under lockdown. Um, I think to myself, do you know what? It's lovely that you've got beautiful horses and well done for making so much money, but 100 million for horse racing? I don't know. And maybe it's, it's an industry that employs lots of people and grooms and bookmakers and things like that. So maybe it's uh, underneath. When you look beneath the headlines, it's a good thing. But on the other hand, I don't know if that's a great headline. Do you? No, yeah, look, that's, a, that's a, I suppose, an ethical or a moral question you're asking. And yeah, look, it, it depends on, on like, if just, at the point you touched on, I think sort of it drills down to whether it's good or not. Um, how many people do you employ and how many people does he keep employed? Um, and, yes. you know, then there's obviously the, the offsprings from that being betting and all of that um, on, on horse racing that you, you're keeping that going. But that's not a, a highly labor-intensive industry. So, yeah, look, I, I suppose one could have spent, or we could have spent that hundred mil somewhere else, and probably made a bigger difference in yeah. terms of society. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not having a go at the Oppenheimers at all on this one. But when I saw that, I thought maybe they should have kept it quiet and shouldn't have told yeah. the press about this. They should have said, "Look, we want to keep this industry going because we've got a lot of people that rely on this industry." But again, a hundred million might have been better spent. I don't know. Mm. Are you doing anything at the moment? Are you looking at anything at, at Sky Blue Fund Managers when no, it comes we, to in, investing? I mean, for example, the banks. Are you looking at the banks? Yeah, are you looking at the retailers, really, or are you just sitting on your hands? We're just sitting on our hands, to be honest. Um, yeah, look, we looked at the, the banks. It's very uncertain with these uh, the holidays they've given in terms of credit and stuff and how that plays into to earnings going forward. Um, and, I mean, those holidays are holidays, but the, the rent or the interest just keeps piling up. So, you know, the guy's not really in a better position. He might think his cash flow is better, yes, for the, less, for, for the next three months. But once that three months is up, then you're actually owing more. <laughs> so, so I don't really – that really doesn't solve the, the problem. Um, and you have to pay it off at some stage. Uh, so, so, again, you know, I, I think the, the scheme from, from the Reserve Bank is, is great. Um, and it's, it's different. It's, at least we're trying something different for a change. Um, but, you know, we're not looking at, at a lot of things. But the one thing which is glaringly showing value – um, I'm just scared because it looks like a, a very crowded trade currently, and that is local government bonds. Yes. I mean, there's even one well-known hedge fund manager who's put 20% or 25% of his portfolio into local bonds. I, saw I think that. it's a London guy or a US guy. Mm. Um, so clearly, and, and, and funny enough, this is after uh, – look, I think if there's one thing we need to be very thankful for is that we had our downgrade. In this in, in this lockdown scenario, um, because if, if it was if it was a normal market, we might have been, um, you know, t- taken to the to to the slaughterhouse into after that um, uh, downgrade. But now we we actually not looking that bad because everybody else is also looking bad, you know. <laughs> so, mm. so the downgrade was sort of a a non-event. I mean, nothing really changed. Uh, if anything, bonds actually strengthened after the downgrade. And like I said, there's a, there's a, this hedge fund manager, a well-known guy who's never lost money, wah, 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 the whole story. And he's taken a 25% holding in, in local government bonds. Um, and we've also added some local government bonds, but we've done it a month ago. Um, so I think that there's, there's some value definitely in that. Um, but, but it's also, it has run quite hard already. So 
there's still probably some money to be made, but you've missed, I think, a big part of, 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 of the run already you should have been in. Um, but, you know, cash, local cash, unless we see drastic uh, interest rate uh, cuts, and I think we might see it towards the end of this month. Next week is, is monetary policy meeting. Um, uh, unless we see drastic cuts, cash is giving you a very nice yield, real yield above inflation. And, you know, and unless that changes drastically, there's no reason to be in a hurry to rush out to take um, risk, to buy risky assets. Um, we've seen a nice run up in, in, in equities. And then we've seen this lately. We've seen a bit of a sell down again. And we're probably going to see a lot of that. You know, so it's typical of, of this down market, bear market, but it's definitely a bear market. Um, and, and, you know, the, the one part we, where I'm very concerned and, and uh, we've, we've cut some of our exposure to that is the developed market equities, more, more specifically U.S. market. I mean, that, that stuff looks very expensive and this i mean it's trading i think the pe the other day it's an understatement to say it's very expensive i, I mean my personal view yeah. and this is not a recommendation i think the s&p is going to half in the next uh, year year and a half it's going yeah, to look, half. We're, we're not allowed to give recommendations of course you're not. but um we, we can give warnings so, so I, I would warn people to be very selective if you want to buy U.S. stocks. Um, the healthcare, for example, looks good. Tech, some of the tech sectors looks good. But you know, if you look at some of the other stuff, I just don't see how, how those multiples are sustainable. Um, not having unemployment sitting at the levels they are and still rising. Uncertainty as to how do they open up the economy. And, and then uh, uh, the probability of having a dollar which is weaker I don't know. I, I really don't know if I would, if I would look at the U.S. market. Um, like I said, there is some sectors which looks attractive, but you would have, you have to be very selective. Arno, as it's nearly noon, we have to stop all this um, serious talk. You have to go and have a glass of wine somewhere if you're allowed to, if your stock hasn't been depleted to such an extent no, that you can't even find one. Yeah. In that case, have a glass of wine. Thank you very much for your extended analysis. That was Arno Smith from Sky Blue Thanks. Fund Managers recently part of the JSE-listed Efficient Group. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.